we all we all understand that that's not a that's not a microwave process but i think the roster that you can build here can be as good as anybody anywhere anytime and uh, so excited uh, kind of for what the future looks like uh, from a roster standpoint as far as myself um i think i think doing a doing a better job doing a better job and i think i've really tried to embrace this opportunity of kind of what we mentioned before that that blank canvas um to really build a a culture that where we needed to make a lot of changes to be able to build that from the ground up and that's that's challenged me in in different ways and that's been good for me and there's it's kind of opened up areas you know when i look back on my time at oklahoma where i could have done a better job there i mean without a doubt uh, maybe finally admitting the culture uh, was it where it needed to be here. Yeah, yeah. He's admitting more there than I've ever heard him admit before. It's at least a start. Well, yes. And here's the question, though: Is that lip service? Oh yes. I mean yes. I don't even need to hear the or. <laughs> yes. Well, because he started off. The culture he's built out there has started off in a in a a hierarchy system where you've got the quarterback's dad talking to the LA Times. Yeah, where yeah. You, you've got big NIL players, and then you kind of have everyone else. And McElroy did ask a good question to him. It's you know, you you said NIL like no one can benefit more from NIL than USC, but you come from a college town. Now you're to one of the major media markets in the country. You know, do you have to worry about you know? All of that, like kids staying out of trouble, basically, doing the right things. And, you know, of course, Muleshoe said, well, I mean, you can get in trouble in any town, which is somewhat true. It is true, but I think we all recognize and realize in the NIL era and everything that's going on, it's going to be really tough to have the type of culture that you want in in a market like L.A. I mean, it just is. Yeah. Especially when... You're kind of selling your program as just that, right? When you're selling your program as kind of the NIL program, we're doing all these forward-thinking right. things in a market like LA. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult. When you sell yourself as that, don't be surprised whenever um, it attracts players that want that life, you know? And I'm trying to think is, well, Columbus is pretty big, isn't it? I mean, it's a, got a hockey team. It's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty big. I was trying to think. I mean, Texas won a national championship in Austin. Um, you mean Vince won a national championship in Austin? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miami has done it. But I was, I was trying to think, Is have we seen – is there a is there a trend that it's really difficult in college football in a big city? Well, I think – I think you can look at the past on this and say, well, yeah, it can happen. Like, Miami had so much talent. There were clearly a lot of distractions. But I think that this is a different era of college football with everything going on with NIL. So, yeah, I mean, clearly it's been done before at those schools, but this is kind of a a, a different thing than we've been having to do. Not that players have never been paid or anything like that, but I feel right. like it's a new era. Yeah, I don't know. It I guess it's I guess it's it all goes back to the coach really um and the culture you set if if you're in a big city and you set a good hard working team oriented culture and you follow through on that and you're consistent in that and 
you develop players and recruit good players and hire good coaches, really it shouldn't matter where you are. And I think that's probably the case. So I don't know. I I just I, I think that and I don't think it's a unwinnable situation Lincoln has put himself in, but it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, that's that's what you're going to attract whenever that's what they've trumpeted. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a grand experiment. I do love to see uh, Carl's Jr.'s dad, though, uh, just making the headlines in the L.A. Times, the paper out there, saying, uh, we didn't know what we were going to do. And honestly, when we went to the portal, Oklahoma was at the top of the list, but they did some things that weren't in his best interest, in quotes. Would love to know what those things were. Quote, I said this to Bob Stoops. I said this to Brent Venables. I'll give you the clean version. You go to a college to get prepared for your career. You want to be a doctor? You go to med school at the best college you can get into. You want to be a lawyer? You do the same. What we wanted to do was be prepared to play in the NFL on day one. That was the driving force, in quotes. Yeah. Just like we said earlier, man. Um, he's talented, and he's got a chance to be a really good quarterback, but at the same time, the fit wasn't, wasn't going to work here. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder – they did some things that weren't in his best interest. What, like going to get Dylan Gabriel hours after he entered into the transfer portal? Is that what he's talking about? Probably. I don't know. Because, uh, because um, you know, basically calling him the leader of the football team after the Alamo Bowl, that kind of seemed like it was in his best interest. Did, it's, did they do some things that weren't in his best interest? Or did they – fail to do or not want to do some things that he thought were in his son's best interest. There's a difference there, right? If if you're making demands and they don't want to meet those demands, that doesn't mean that they did something that didn't have yeah. your son's best interest there in mind. There were some uh, rumors floating out there that Carl had a very unrealistic – opinion or number of what his son was worth out on the open market they may have found that out the hard way yeah well they definitely found that out from OU it sounds like yeah I don't know I I don't know I will see how this thing like I said it's a grand experiment we'll see how it works we'll see how the the NIL situation works we talked about it just briefly earlier that you know there's some rumors out there don't know if any of them have any legitimate backing but You've seen some of the articles written out there that Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pitt that transferred out, is, quote, pissed on uh, the fact that some of the promises made to him are not being met. And, you know, it, that's that's what you're asking for. It's what you're asking for whenever this is the road you go down. And it's not just USC that's, that's doing this. I, there, there's been some – there's been some folks that have kind of made this their their big run, their big opportunity to get back. USC, uh, Miami, A&M. Back is relative, I guess, whenever you throw A&M in there. <laughs> it's been since thir- 1939. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's been a while. Uh, you, you've, you've made this big push, and I wonder if there's some, some buyer's remorse going on uh, in Southern Cal. I don't know. We'll see how it see how it plays out. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. 
Final hour rolls on next. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. Are you looking out the back window and you see missing panels on your fence? Perhaps your fence is leaning over or being held up by a 2x4. It's time to call Van Hoos Fence, the metro area's premier residential and commercial fence company. Van Hoos delivers professional craftsmanship at an affordable price. From custom orders to prefabricated products, Van Hoos does it all. Call them today, 405-735-1167, or see their work on vhfence.com. Ever wonder why someone would leave the roads they know? For places they don't? Maybe a better question is, what are you waiting for? Pacifico is brewed for those who follow their own path. That's living life anchors up. Wake up with Toby Rowland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three hours. And TJ Perry. <laughs> what a bomb. <laughs> what a complete bomb. The T-Row in the morning show. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. Yesterday, I got to see my best friend unexpectedly in a Lowe's parking lot yesterday. And there I was holding my hose. <laughs> Just swinging it around. Showing busted it to everyone. red-handed. I was busted red-handed buying a 75-foot hose. I was kind of jealous of it. I think I need one of those. My hose isn't long enough that I've got now. i got to go buy a new hose. I kind of need to borrow Toby's. You can borrow my hose. I don't um, need to. It's non-kinking. If you want to get it there, it doesn't kink. <laughs> I mean, that's what they sold me on. Right. But kids, this is what you have to look forward to. These are the kind of things you get excited you about, get excited about when you're approaching 50. D Row and TJ on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Pizza Hut stuffed crust is the crust that made crust good, topped and stuffed with over a half pound of cheese. What are you so afraid of? Loving it? Original stuffed crust only from Pizza Hut. Ask or click for a limited time offer. Extra charge for more than one topping and extra cheese. Sooner Softball goes back-to-back to to claim their program's sixth national championship. Chris Plaint tells the story of softball's queens from his view in the radio booth in the July edition of Boyd Street Magazine. Additional stories include the Citizens Advisory Board's OU Coaches Luncheon, United Way's Stuff the Bus, Sooner Football's Soul Mission, three ways to stay financially fit this summer with OU FCU and our Normanite of the Month, Carol McDade Conley. The July issue of Boyd Street is now available in print and online at kref.com. Did you know that about 23% of Oklahoma's river and stream miles are impaired by bacteria? Pet waste can pollute surface and drinking waters like Lake Thunderbird by contributing harmful levels of bacteria. Be sure to pick up after your furry friend when you're out and about. We drink our storm water, so please do your part to help protect it. For more information, visit bit.ly forward slash Norman Stormwater. Does your business need a trusted electrical advisor to help with repairs, maintenance, service changes, or upgrades? Don't trust just anyone. Choose Wade Electric, a family-owned company with over 50 years of experience. Wade Electric has an extensive portfolio of completed projects in new construction, remodels, and service. We specialize in a variety of electrical installations like accent lighting and automation, landscape and security lighting, and more. Call Wade Electric at 405-329-1940. 
you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. CCW Safe offers service membership plans for concealed carry permit holders. If members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides the best defensive attorneys in the U.S., expert witnesses, and investigators specially trained in use of force lawsuits and investigations. Members start at $149 per year for a single membership. Visit CCW Safe at ccwsafe.com. Um, yeah, I, I definitely say um, one of the big pushes that he made was the um, whole more than just an athlete push. Um, and that that was big for us. And when he said it, you could tell that he genuinely meant it. Like he he's not just in it for championships or draft picks, which is big, of course, um, just being at Oklahoma. But he was he was in it for the, the person just as much or more than the player and we can tell on the phone, even on the phone, that he was genuine and he meant it. That's four-star offensive tackle commit Caden Green. He committed to OU on Friday. He's in the uh, Kansas City area. P.J. Atabare, four-star edge, committed to OU on Sunday. They had a few others this past week as well. OU all the way up to number 11 overall in the Cruton rankings. They'll probably get another one this week. Watch out on Thursday for a commitment to drop, but things are good right now with OU recruiting. And, Teddy, I think um, recruiting momentum is a real deal, and I think you saw it this week, but we've been talking about the month of July for a while. Eh, OU ain't done yet in this month. Really? OU ain't done yet. You're saying we ain't done? We ha- I say we ain't done yet. <laughs> uh, I got a question for you. All right. Whenever head football coach Brent Venables assumed the position uh, as head coach here, there was like, – we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know – if the offensive staff was going to main was going to stay like who on that staff was going to stay like would there be anyone from the defensive staff stay um Jamar Kane um obviously one of the best recruiters in college football uh he's doing a really good job at LSU recruiting and you know there was some people that i don't know I say upset, I don't know, thought that Venables was making a mistake by not keeping Jamar Kane on staff, who wanted to stay. Yeah, and I probably could have been included in that conversation very early on because I thought highly about him and his recruiting abilities and the fact that he he stayed, from what I understand, extremely loyal to the guy still on the roster after everything happened. Right. Like he was the guy that stayed around, made the phone calls, everything. I mean, yeah. So... Do you think that Miguel Chavis has chipped away at some of that, or do you I don't think, think there's any doubt, man? I, I yeah, I, I honestly, what you previously said, I don't even know how much of that is left, and that's not a slight at his abilities or what he's going to accomplish at LSU. Because my opinion of him as a position coach or as a recruiter hasn't changed. I think that he's elite. I think he's really good. I was but, thinking of it because I was I'm on the two four seven page and. He's listed as the top one of the top ten recruiters in the country. No, he's awesome, man. He'll continue to do big things. He'll be a defensive coordinator 
I think very soon, somewhere. I, I really believe that. But I think Miguel Chavis, you got a younger Brent Venable. I, I, I say that all the time to you, but that's what he reminds me of. He remi- He is a young, energetic, go get it, I'll, I'll do anything, I'll, I'll, we want to succeed. But there's something to, like when Brent Venable's got his first like legit assistant gig, I guess full-time assistant gig at Kansas State, it was pedal to the metal, dude. And I, I feel that a lot with Miguel Chavis. Realizes the opportunity that he's been given, and he's, he's going to get after it. He's, yeah. But obviously extremely talented at what he does. I, I think a, a lot of people are excited about Miguel Chavis. He was really maybe the unknown of uh, all the all the staff members that were hired, but I think most people he he he's probably at the top of who people are excited about outside of him. Well, he you know he's got he's got a lot of energy. He's um, he's got a social media um, presence, and what he does, people enjoy. It, he's a gigantic dude. Whenever he's in the room, everyone knows he's there, and we saw him like. Running out of the tunnel to spring game, right? Out there at practice with cleats on, you know, getting after it with the guys. So, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's done a really good job so far. And, heck, they're not, what, they're seven months into this thing, and he's already turning some heads. We haven't even got to the season yet. We'll see how his guys play. It's going to be the big factor right there. Well, it, he's got a very critical position that he's coaching as well. And – in the overall scheme of how legit the defense is going to be this year, his position group is going to play a major part, not just because they're de- they're the defensive ends, but that's where we're really counting on the pass rush to be coming from this year. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, it, 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 I don't – I guess you can say – yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's a question mark for sure just because you're looking for who that legit guy off the edge is going to be. I th- think we feel good about a couple guys, but – yeah, if the pass rush is good off the edge, and this defense is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think you can complain. Now, you think you stated that there's more to come. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Uh, I mean, I think they're going to get a four-star running back this week. Who? Dalen Smothers on the, Thursday. The Smothers kid, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Okay. Like it, love it, hate it. I love it. I love it, and what I really love is the fact that we've got a normal recruiting re- recruiting calendar where DeMarco Murray can go out and use his star power, right? And uh, I think it's showing big time. He is He's out there on some big name running backs. He's getting commits. He's, he's doing an excellent job. Like the last class – Really good, two good guys on campus right now, and it looks like this upcoming class is going to be really uh, solid as well. In case you missed it, I gave Teddy the over-under. Regular season wins, reminder, uh, they play 12 regular season games in college football. I gave Teddy the over-under for wins in the first three years at 32 for Brent Venables at OU, and he took the over on 32. Yeah. Not a whole lot of margin for error there. No. But, hmm, I guess, yeah, I, 
if they go, I get the regular season. It's hard to say because you don't know what the end result is. You can go ten and two in the regular season and go win a championship, right? It can happen. Um, I don't difficult. know if it has happened, but it, yes, it technically could happen. I don't. It hasn't. Has it? I don't think so. Well, I mean, LSU in 07 was a two-loss well, champion. I think that's it, the only one we yeah, have. Yeah, I think I'm really talking about the current. Have we even have we had a two-loss? We've had a two-loss team make the playoff, but they haven't won the championship. Um, it's it's difficult. It can happen, but I mean, I can't really say that they're just gonna. I think ten and two would be a really good year, first year out of the gate. And then I've got to factor in the next two years after that they're going to be at least eleven to one. I think they're I think they're going to be not a lock. You never know what happens, but a heavy favorite to be a playoff team next year if and the year following. If we're looking at the next three years, and they're in the Big Twelve in all three of those years. Side note: I don't think that that's going to be the case. But as the schedule stands now, the only team with more or equal talent than OU, and I'm projecting a little bit here, Um, Baylor will have a chance this year. I think that's very fair to say. Yeah. Overall, talent-wise, Texas is always going to be on par, but Georgia next year as well. What do you play them? Supposed to play them week two here in Norman, right? So all that to say, there's there's only going to be a there's not it's not going to be every single week where you're punching up. If you had to. It's way too early. Haven't even seen this team play. But how do you feel about that Georgia game next year? At the moment, uh, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, which I think is a pretty big factor. Seeing, you know, thinking that Stetson Bennett's going to, you know, make it the year. I, I, I would, Teddy. I think that's probably going to be Georgia. Might have a little bit more talent. I think it's very critical that Dylan Gabriel would be back for that second year. If like yeah. Dylan Gabriel is back for that second year way too early like give me OU in a close one at home but if OU is got General Booty out there or Nick Evers or Jackson Arnold uh, anything and everything's on the table for that one yeah that's the um let's say let's say you go 10 and 2 this year and I don't know no need to talk about the postseason but because I, I think if you if you in the season 10 and 2 I mean, you want to win the Big 12 championship. I'm not going to say that people won't. Because if you say right now, well, just making it to the Big 12 championship, I think that's a successful first year for Brent Venables. As soon as they make it, that whole thing changes, right? I, I mean, I disagree with that premise. And I like right. successful. This team is good enough to win a Big 12 championship. It needs to go win a Big 12 championship. Agree. But. Even if you win a championship, Big 12 championship in year one, the real litmus test to see like what trajectory we're on is that Georgia game. It's the best measuring stick OU's had since, what, I guess the last playoff game against LSU? Yeah. Which, <laughs> if that was a measuring stick game, then, boy, that was a slap in the face that night in Atlanta. Let's hope this measuring stick game goes uh, a little bit better than that one. But you had Florida the next year in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, half their team was out. Well, that's what I was about to say, other than the LSU game, 
what's the what's the what's the best non-conference matchup we've had and I'm including bowl games and I'm talking about there's something on the line there's it's a no excuse game it's not well okay yeah we got some guys going to the draft and we played our last game in November I don't none think of that crap had that. they haven't it's, had that since that LSU game it's been a long time yeah so that that'll be I it. I mean, twenty twenty, you played Missouri State only. Now Bobby Petrino's got it rolling up there in Springfield, yeah. but I mean, come on, that wasn't a measuring stick game. And then Nebraska last year, which you know what, Teddy? In some ways, I guess those can be measuring stick games. The Nebraska game showed us, you know, quite even though they weren't the worthy opponent that we're talking about, it showed us quite a bit. And right. God, Tulane sure did in Week One. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean. For a non-conference regular season game, you got to go back to uh, the Ohio State game, right? And you know, handled that well. That was big, and I, I, that's what I'm saying. I feel like not always, but I feel like that's going to be one of those moments where there's going to be doubters out there. There's there, they may be a home dog, which over the last 20 years, it's only happened a handful of times. And I feel like they'll they'll rise to the occasion, but we got a long time uh, yeah, before long before time. any of that uh, comes our way. But it's interesting to think about, right? You, you know, you've got your you've got your um, end of school year exam waiting on you there early next season. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left. Uh, hit the text line six five one three four three nine. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. GMC continues its Text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. I read something so crazy earlier today that I have a hard time thinking that it's actually true. The issue is Jeff Goodman who is one of the best when it comes to covering college basketball. I guess he said on a podcast and then someone was listening and, and they wrote about it that he had a conversation with uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, right? Mm. And that Sankey led on that his vision or the vision moving forward for the NCAA basketball tournament is that Cinderella teams really wouldn't be involved anymore. That the NCAA tournament in a couple of years is going to look drastically different than what it looks now. And the thought is, if you take out all those Cinderella teams, you get more, you know, power, fan base, power teams that get into the NCAA tournament. I hope that this is wrong. I hope that this is false. I hope that Greg Sankey doesn't get his way if it is true. Yeah, the NCAA tournament will look drastically different. It'll also become drastically worse if we have a bunch of 12 and 13 win teams that get in over Cinderella teams. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Well, it's – and this is one of the uh, – it's one of the problems with the college sports model is it's turned into the only real way to fund it is through TV. The only real way 
uh, and once you start doing that, it's all about, well, how can we make more money? How can we make a payout bigger for each team or each uh, university? And the only way you do it is with not necessarily better matchups, but with matchups between bigger fan bases, right? I mean, that's kind of what like college football – it's not really a problem that college basketball has. If, if, uh, if Duke is playing, I don't know, whoever the 16 seed might Lehigh. be. How Lehigh. How about that? If they're playing Lehigh, it's not going to be watched any more or any less if they're playing uh, insert crappy basketball program here in the, from a Power 5 conference, right? Uh, that's not going to change. Like, if they're playing Kansas State, well, I mean, Kansas State's been good at times. I don't know who that is exactly, but the point is people that watch the tournament are going to watch the tournament, whether their team is in it or not. Sure, People watch the tournament. It's not the same with college football. College football, if you are just a, a Saturday fan that's going to watch college football, you're going to watch Alabama, Texas, way more likely than you're going to watch Ohio State, Missouri State. You're going to watch better matchups. I mean, that's, that's the difference between college football and trying to fix – something that's yeah. not broken like the NCAA tournament. And I understand for ratings issues, you know, we all like to root for Davidson to make a run to the Elite Eight, but once Davidson knocks off Kentucky, it's like, oh, well, we got to watch Davidson again here in the Sweet 16 instead of Kentucky. But eliminating those teams entirely, what a massive mistake, what a greedy mistake that would be. Oh, my God, it would take away – a lot of the magic of what is the NCAA tournament. But you know totally what? With the, with the current landscape of collegiate athletics, as much as we hate it, and I don't think any fan would like want to see this, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if it happens at one point. Well, you know, it, it's kind of the same argument whenever, whenever people don't want, uh, like the, the, the playoff expansion talk. Like a lot of people don't want, if you win a conference, you're in to be into the expanded playoff. Why? Well, because there might be a chance that you get a, a team that, quote, doesn't deserve to be there. Well, why would you eliminate it in college football but or, or not even be, be talking about it in college? It, it, it's – I don't know. It's just – it seems strange to me. That you don't have, there's got to be some type of merit system, not just like how big of a fan base you are. Like they don't want that because they'd rather have a, a three or four loss Georgia or Florida in than a a conference champion. It's you can't say Cincinnati because they're coming to the Big Twelve, but you, you get the point. It's to get the bigger fan base in, and it just I don't know, man. You don't need it in basketball, and I would argue you don't even need it in football. But 
that's the that's where it's going to go. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of that whole front, all quiet on the realignment front. SEC says they're not looking to add any more teams. Notre Dame's apparently in no rush. The Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever they call themselves now, they're all trying to stick it out. It's 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 another calm before another major storm is going to happen. I'm sure. I think it's it's posturing a bit from like for Notre Dame. It's some posturing. Let's see how bad do they want us and how high will this guaranteed number get? Um, for the SEC, right, the SEC and the arrogant status that they've pretty much had for a while is we've, we don't need anyone. There is some truth to that, by the way. No, it's true. But, you know, they wouldn't ever lower themselves to to go out and start asking teams to join. Sure. Now, if you come to us, okay, we'll we'll talk about it. But you know, it's it's pretty interesting that Phil Knight's out there working the phones for Oregon to get out of the Pac-12. So if Phil Knight's working the phones to get out of the Pac-12, well, that tells me that the Pac-12 talking point about not moving not worried about uh oh, that's doing just anything. lip service yeah they're, 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 they're working together until oregon finds a better you know there's option no to get doubt. out of there there is We're, no there's only doubt. about well there's about three or four i guess so there's there's some yeah all right quick time out more from the rush coming up we'll wrap things up next stay with us